June 10th. And now we turn our attention to the New Testament. Today's reading will be from the book of Acts, chapter 7, verses 30 through 50. And here's what's going on there. The main thrust of Stephen's message is that Israel always resisted the truth and rejected the deliverers God sent to them. They opposed Moses and repeatedly wanted to return to Egypt. They opposed Joseph, and he later became their Redeemer. They rejected the many prophets God sent to warn them and call them back to His way. Finally, they rejected their own Messiah and crucified Him. Israel's history reveals the patience of God and the hardness of man's heart. But it also reveals a ray of hope. Israel rejected their deliverers the first time, but accepted them the second time. That was true of Moses and Joseph, and it will be true of Jesus also when he returns. Well, Stephen's death was the third murder in Israel's history and a turning point in God's dealings with the nation. They had rejected the Father when they allowed John the Baptist to be slain. They had rejected the Son when they asked for Jesus to be crucified. And now they had rejected the Holy Spirit. There could be no more forgiveness. The line had been crossed, and the gospel moved out to Judea and Samaria. And now let's begin our reading in the New Testament for today. June 10th, Acts chapter 7, verses 30 through 50. Forty years later, in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. Moses saw it and wondered what it was. As he went to see, the voice of the Lord called out to him, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses shook with terror and dared not look. And the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. You can be sure that I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries, so I have come to rescue them. Now go, for I will send you to Egypt." And so God sent back the same man his people had previously rejected by demanding, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Through the angel who appeared to him in the burning bush, Moses was sent to be their ruler and savior. And by means of many miraculous signs and wonders, he led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea and back and forth through the wilderness for forty years. Moses himself told the people of Israel, God will raise up a prophet like me from among your own people. Moses was with the assembly of God's people in the wilderness. He was the mediator between the people of Israel and the angel who gave him life-giving words on Mount Sinai to pass on to us. But our ancestors rejected Moses and wanted to return to Egypt. They told Aaron, Make us some gods who can lead us for we don't know what has become of this Moses who brought us out of Egypt. So they made an idol shaped like a calf, and they sacrificed to it and rejoiced in this thing they had made. Then God turned away from them and gave them up to serve the sun, moon, and stars as their gods. In the book of the prophets it is written, 
Was it to me you were bringing sacrifices during those forty years in the wilderness, Israel? No, your real interest was in your pagan gods, the shrine of Molech, the star god, Rifan, and the images you made to worship them. So I will send you into captivity far away in Babylon. Our ancestors carried the tabernacle with them through the wilderness. It was constructed in exact accordance with the plan shown to Moses by God. Years later, when Joshua led the battles against the Gentile nations that God drove out of this land, the tabernacle was taken with them into their new territory. And it was used there until the time of King David. David found favor with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who actually built it. However, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Could you ever build me a temple as good as that? asks the Lord. Could you build a dwelling place for me? Didn't I make everything in heaven and earth? I was so confused by this passage for so long until I realized that the enemy will always attack what is most valuable to you. The Bible says that Jesus allowed the demons to leave the man and enter the pigs. When the demons went in to the pigs, the first thing they did was throw them over the cliff and drown them. First of all, can we make a note of how strong this man was that he survived something day and night that killed 2,000 pigs in one moment? They didn't get it. Touch the person next to you and say, if you knew what I'd been through, you would be surprised I look as good as I look. Don't let this smile fool you. I fought for this faith. Now that that's out of the way, let's talk about these pigs, which represented the economy of the region. The devil knows where to hit you, where it will hurt. And when Jesus healed the man, it killed the pigs. So the devil knew if we can get in those pigs, which the people of this region depend on for their economy, if we can take what's most important to them and attack it, they will send Jesus away. The enemy knows what's most important to you. And that's where he will attack you the hardest. He knows where your pigs are. He knows where your pride is. He knows your points of pain. He knows where your pressure is. He knows where your prize is. He knows exactly where to hit you, where it will hurt the most. And when the people heard about the man, they were fine with it. But when they heard about the pigs, they said, Jesus, 
please leave. Why? When the enemy hits you in the place that you value the most, your tendency is going to be, if it's going to be like this, I don't want God in my life. That's why he's been attacking your kids lately. Because he knows if he can't get to you, he's got to get to you through your kids. The enemy knows exactly where to hit you. He knows where your insecurities are. He knows what happened to you when you were 12. He knows what's going to keep you in a state of anxiety. He knows where you keep your herd. So he's going to hit you in the places in your life and your heart that matter to you the most. So you will press away from Jesus. The demons knew if we hit the pigs, they'll send Jesus away. And that's exactly what they did. Because the enemy only attacks what is valuable. Now, here's, here's the good news about that principle if he's attacking you, and if he only attacks what's valuable, Guess what that means about you? Come on, I've been telling you since I announced my title. You must be. There must be something about you that the demons know that you don't even know about you yet. They must know that if you ever get loose and free and forgiven and full of the Spirit of God, you're about to do some damage to the darkness. Hey, thanks for watching. If you enjoyed the message, just do two simple things before you go. Click the logo to subscribe to this channel so you won't miss a video. I promise I'll make it worth your while. And second, take a minute and share it with somebody who could use it or just leave a comment. I love to hear how these videos are impacting you. It means a lot to me. Thanks again for watching. Today we're reading Psalm 128, verses 1 through 6. Now this song parallels Psalm 112 and reminds you of the blessings God sends when you fear the Lord and walk in obedience to His Word. God will bring you enjoyment in employment so that your work will be a blessing and not a curse. Your work will be a ministry for the Lord. God will bless you at home, beginning at the heart of your home, your spouse, and touching everybody else around the table. That's a promise. Your home will be a fruitful garden, not an ugly desert. Trust the Lord with this. The blessing will then spread to the city and the nation, and it will go from generation to generation. Psalm 128, verses 1 through 6, a song for the ascent to Jerusalem. How happy are those who fear the Lord, all who follow His ways! You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How happy you will be! How rich your life! Your wife will be like a fruitful vine, flourishing within your home. And look at all those children! There they sit around your table, as vigorous and healthy as young olive trees. That is the Lord's reward for those who fear Him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren, and may Israel have quietness and peace. 
Proverbs 16, verses 31 through 33. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained by living a godly life. It is better to be patient than powerful. It is better to have self-control than to conquer a city. We may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall.